Hello, and welcome to this podcast presented by the Southern Alberta Council on Public Affairs. Welcome to SACPAW. My name's Shannon Little, and uh, we're just rounding up our speaker for the topic today. Uh, While we're uh, waiting, I'm going to talk about a very exciting upcoming session, Uh, Civil Liberties, Are They at Risk? And another along the same line, Indefinite Detention Without Charges in Canada, really, with Sophie Harkat. This is in conjunction with the Lethbridge International Film Festival and Elberg which will include a public lecture featuring Sophie Harkat on Wednesday, March 18th at the University of Lethbridge from 7 to 9 p.m. It moves on to the next day with Sophie speaking at SACPA on this topic here, and then with a film, The Secret Trial 5, being held at the Lethbridge Public Library Theatre Gallery on Thursday at 7 o'clock. So make sure you mark in your calendars these events, March 18th, March 19th. This is a, a very special event for SACPA, Elberg, and the Lethbridge International Film Festival. Uh, the Secret Trial of Five, uh, you can go online and look at a preview of it. It's an official selection for the Hot Docs Film Festival. So I'd like to welcome you all to SACPA today. I'm going to remind you to turn off your cell phones and that this session is being recorded. I'm Shannon Little. And uh, again, lunch is $11. There's a $2 table in the back if you're here for coffee and the speaker only. SACPA is a volunteer nonprofit organization in its 48th season, and contributions from members and session attendees help cover expenses. We encourage memberships, and you can see Annalise in order to uh, sign up. I'd like to thank our partners, the University of Lethbridge, for support and distribution of notices, Country Kitchen Catering for our lunches, Shaw TV Channel 9 for broadcasting sessions several times weekly, including nightly at 7 p.m., CKXU 88.3 FM Radio Live, and the Lethbridge Herald and other local media for covering SACPA events. The presentation will be 25 to 30 minutes. We will follow this with lunch and a question period finishing at about 1.30 p.m. So I'd like to introduce now the topic and our presenter, Dr. Robert Say. The topic is, Why are Gay-Straight Alliances in Alberta Schools Political Hot Potatoes? 
a motion to mandate that Alberta schools support the creation of student-led gay-straight alliances, GSAs, in schools where students have requested it, was defeated in the Alberta legislature last year. In late 2014, two bills dealing with the same student-led gay-straight alliances were brought before the legislature. The first, Bill 202, was a private member's bill, which prompted the government to draft its own, Bill 10. By the time the dust settled and amendments were attempted, neither bill was passed as Premier Prentice stepped in and put the bills on hold pending further studies. Researchers at the University of British Columbia recently released the results of an extensive study showing that GSAs reduce the risk of suicide for all students, LGBTQ and straight. The speaker will present further background information on this topic and discuss what is known about the effects GSAs can have for all students in the schools where they are established. A bit about Dr. Say, he's an assistant professor of counseling psychology with the Faculty of Education at the University of Lethbridge. He is also a registered professional psychologist and has a research focus on lesbian, gay, bisexual, and transgender issues in psychology, particular processes of individual identity development and understanding and overcoming the effects of homophobic violence and verbal abuse. And with that, let's welcome Dr. Say. Well, hello, everyone. Uh, thank you very much for your kind welcome. Uh, uh, as has been said, uh, my name is Robert Say. I'm an assistant professor at the University of Lethbridge uh, in the Faculty of Education. And uh, I'm very happy to have been invited by the Southern Alberta Council on Public Affairs to join you here today to discuss what I think are some really important and interesting uh, issues related to the current debate over gay-straight alliances in Alberta schools. So uh, as has been said, uh, I'm a, a registered psychologist, so I'm, I'm a lecturer at the uh, U of L, and I also am a, a practicing therapist. Uh, and my research interests are related to primarily uh, lesbian, gay, bisexual, and transgender issues in psychology and identity development. Uh, I, uh, in relation to that, I, I did kind of want to emphasize that my, my purpose here really is not so much to advocate for any particular uh, political position uh, with respect to the GSA debate, but uh, really to try to bring forward what I think are uh, some of the best, uh, most current uh, pieces of research from the psychology and the related social sciences to kind of put that before you to uh, inform the debate so that uh, you can arrive at your own conclusions about uh, uh, going forward uh, politically. So, uh, I do have... Uh, uh, an overview of what I would like to cover today. We, we do have a, a fairly limited amount of time. Uh, so uh, I've uh, divided my presentation into four main sections. Uh, first, of off, uh, first off, a bit of definition. What, what exactly are these GSAs? What, what do the groups do? How are they typically organized? Uh, so some, some background on that. I will talk just a little bit about the legislative context of GSA, so what has been happening in the provincial legislature over the past few months uh, and uh, the debates that have been going on there. Um, I do want to touch on uh, what is known about the specific challenges and vulnerabilities that uh, lesbian, gay, bisexual, and transgender young people face. Uh, uh, 
socially uh, in general and also specifically uh, in their school context. Uh, and then finally, uh, to go, going forward from that, talk about what we know about uh, what effects do GSAs appear to have uh, for the students who participate in them directly uh, and also for all students who uh, happen to be enrolled at schools where GSAs have been active. Uh, in terms of questions, uh, as we go along, if there are any kind of short, specific questions, uh, if anyone would like a clarification about something that I have in one of the slides, I think that would be fine. But if it, no, okay, we'll, we'll hold it. Okay, okay, please. I'm, I stand corrected. Please do hold the questions. Then we we do have half an hour set aside for questions, discussion, everything you would like to to talk about. So maybe we'll we'll do that then. Okay. So. Then to begin, what are these GSAs and, and what do they do? Uh, there is no sort of mandated uh, guidelines uh, for GSAs, how they should be formed, how they should uh, run. Uh, typically, uh, I, I should say there, there is no typical uh, structure. GSAs are as diverse as the students who uh, make them up. Uh, very generally, we can say that uh, one useful definition for GSAs is that these are student-run, teacher-supported school-based groups that work to create uh, safe, caring, and inclusive spaces for lesbian, gay, bisexual, trans-identified, transsexual, two-spirited, and queer students and their allies in schools. This, by the way, is uh, the, the definition I will be using for uh, LGBTQ, you'll see that this acronym comes up again and again as, as I go through the, the slides. Uh, kind of, it, it's a real mouthful, so I, I will use LGBTQ quite a bit. But I would like to use it in this very inclusive sense of basically all uh, sexual and gender minorities. Uh, so the, LGB, uh, the GSA student clubs, uh, it should be emphasized, do have LGBTQ and heterosexual student uh, members. Uh, there's also typically one or two uh, teachers who serve as faculty advisors, uh, resource people for the clubs. Uh, the heterosexual youth who uh, typically wish to support, or who, who join GSAs, typically wish to support their LGBTQ uh, friends or family members. Uh, in some cases, they may have LGBTQ parents. Uh, or they may simply be individuals who feel a real strong commitment to the promotion of human rights and to making their schools more inclusive places for all students. Uh, in terms of uh, the, the use of the name GSA, there is, you'll, you'll see as I go forward, this, this comes up a, bit, a little bit in the legislation, and there's also been a little bit of, of uh, debate about, uh, thank you, uh, uh, what exact name is used for the group. So uh, GSA, Gay Straight Alliance, is the most common uh, term used for these organizations, but they do sometimes go by other names, so you will see things like rainbow clubs, human rights clubs, social justice clubs. In the cases where these alternate names are used, typically uh, it's, a, it's done because of a desire on the part of the students to emphasize inclusiveness. So uh, this happens often because uh, in the LGBTQ community, the, the word gay is often most associated with gay males. So using a different name emphasizes that it's actually all sex and gender minorities who are uh, being welcomed. 
though they are uncommon, there are instances of GSAs uh, being formed in religious and faith-based schools. Sometimes in those cases you might see them referred to as pastoral care ministries or by similar names, uh, but uh, generally they do still serve similar functions to the GSAs that will be described uh, throughout the rest of the, my presentation. Um, so, uh, sorry, yeah, I have this, this up here, but I'm going to take a step back. I, I did want to talk a little bit about uh, sort of situating GSAs within a broader uh, educational policy context. Uh, you'll see organizations like the Alberta Teachers Association and other uh, professional educators associations um, identifying uh, GSAs as one component in constructing what they refer to in various ways as safe, caring, uh, resilient school communities for LGBTQ students, and also as an aspect of strengthening what they refer to as educational uh, capacity. So uh, generally, those policy documents, you, you see three main components which are referred to again and again. Uh, when trying to promote resilience uh, for LGBTQ students, what is looked for is inclusive school policies, uh, teacher professional development is an important component, uh, so training and awareness building for the teachers themselves. Uh, and then the third component, our main focus, is active and visible presence of GSAs or similar support groups in schools. Uh, so how then do GSAs specifically serve these policy goals? Uh, well, we know that they contribute to the availability of positive role models, uh, family and community acceptance. This, is, this has been identified as the most important of uh, the factors uh, um, for developing resiliency. Uh, they contribute to positive family and school relationships. This has been identified in the research. We'll come back to this point. Uh, the, de the development of LGBTQ support networks, so support networks among the students themselves. Uh, and they also provide access to a variety of coping strategies which can increase student self-esteem and sense of belonging. Okay. So uh, generally GSAs serve as a safe place for students to meet, to socialize, to support one another. Uh, students can discuss uh, their experiences and feelings related to sexual orientation and uh, gender identity issues. Uh, kind of connecting back to the diversity of GSAs, the diversity of the individuals who make them up, some specific functions that you may see from, from one GSA to another might include the establishment of a safe space at school for social support, for connection, for recreation, uh, providing access to counseling or other support services, raising visibility of the LGBTQ community and also awareness, also fostering dialogue, uh, initiating school and community-wide educational and outreach activities. And uh, finally, building tolerance and understanding and uh, just general respect for individual differences. Uh, a bit of historical background. Uh, we know that Canada's first GSA was established at Pine Tree Secondary School in Coquitlam, British Columbia in 1998. And uh, this is right near, actually, the time, uh, I, f I forget the exact date, but the, the first American one was just a year or two before this. So we were, Canada was quite close to the U.S. in, in the development of GSAs. Uh, Alberta was not too far behind. Uh, our first GSA was organized in the year 2000 at Lindsay Thurber Comprehensive School in Red Deer. 
we know that there are currently over 4,000 GSAs in schools in the United States. Uh, recent uh, statistics indicate that there are 45 GSAs currently operating in uh, public schools in uh, Calgary and uh, Edmonton. Um, I've also been informed uh, personally that uh, our Lethbridge public schools are actually quite progressive. Apparently, there are at least three uh, GSAs in our public high schools, and there's even one which has just recently opened up in one of our middle schools. So Lethbridge is, is keeping up nicely in this, in this respect. Uh, at the national level, uh, EGAL Canada uh, has recently completed a nationwide survey of high school students uh, when they asked uh, the students about whether or not they had a GSA at their school. Uh, by region, we found that British Columbia uh, has the most, about uh, 40% of the schools in BC do have, uh, uh, pardon me, high schools in BC do have uh, GSAs. Ontario, close behind at 37.1%. The Prairies, uh, a lower figure, 13.8. Atlantic Canada, 4.6. And the North at 4.4, a more modest uh, rate. I uh, wasn't in there. Uh, their, their survey, I don't believe it covered Quebec for some reason. There was a jurisdictional problem. Okay, so, so turning toward a very brief history of recent legislation in Alberta related to uh, GSAs. As it says, on November 20th, 2014, uh, Alberta Liberal uh, MLA Lori Blakeman introduced Bill 202 in the provincial legislature, uh, the Safe and Inclusive Schools Statutes Amendment Act. Uh, among other changes, Bill 202 would have required school boards to develop policies to support students who wanted to lead and establish gay-straight alliance activities uh, or organizations. Uh, student, students could not be prevented from naming their groups gay-straight alliances or from using any other name consistent with the group's purpose. Again, th this was apparently an issue in, in some instances that students weren't able to use the names that they wanted to use, so uh, Ms. Blakeman's legislation specifically addressed that. Shortly thereafter, uh, on November 24th, uh, 2014, uh, Premier Prentice uh, announced that his government would be introducing Bill 10, an act to amend the Alberta Bill of Rights uh, to protect our children. Uh, the introduction of this bill actually had the effect of superseding and replacing Ms. Blakeman's bill. Now, while Bill 10 purported to deal with many of the same issues as Bill 202, there were some significant differences uh, uh, in, the more in Bill 10. Uh, it did not give students a positive right to form GSAs or similar clubs. Instead, uh, the legislation laid out that students had to ask a school staff member uh, to, uh, for their support in establishing such a group. The staff member, according to that legislation, would be entitled to refuse to support the student's initiative, uh, and if that happened, uh, a student would be permitted to appeal that refusal to their local school board. If the school board also rejected the student's application, the legislation made a provision that a student could then uh, go to the courts uh, for judicial review of that decision. Okay. Uh, very shortly after the introduction of Bill 10, uh, it was amended in the legislature. So uh, as Bill 10 currently stands, uh, the student's initiative, uh, if, if a school board rejects a student's initiative to establish a GSA or a similar organization, that decision is described as final. 
However, uh, a student who has their initiative refused by the school board uh, can send a request to the Minister of Education, who under the legislation would be obliged to facilitate and support the establishment of the organization. So a little bit contradictory. Uh, it's been argued that uh, this means that uh, GSAs in such cases could be forced off of school grounds if the school boards objected to them. Uh, third reading of the amended Bill 10 has been postponed by the government for further consideration. So it's currently on hold. Okay. So uh, turning back to the social science bearing on GSAs and having discussed generally uh, what the groups are, uh, having looked at the re uh, recent uh, legislation, I think it's really important to discuss the, the situation uh, uh, of LGBTQ students and what we know about the particular challenges that they face, uh, both socially and in their schools in particular. So there is a tremendous amount of evidence which indicates that uh, the bullying of LGBTQ youth is uh, uh, common and extremely widespread. Uh, this bullying of LGBTQ youth can include a multitude of individual uh, and collective acts, this can, uh, such as, just as examples, homophobic name-calling, shunning, stalking. Uh, it's also been uh, found that uh, sexual minorities are among the most frequent victims of hate-motivated uh, violence in Canada. Uh, school climate surveys in Canada, the U.S., and the U.K. all indicate that the vast majority of uh, LGBTQ students are exposed to homophobic comments, uh, things like that's so gay or homophobic name-calling frequently or often. Those are the terms used in the surveys. So typically that would mean on a daily basis. Uh, and uh, just as a kind of a scholar of identity development, I think it's, it's important to kind of underscore the power of uh, expressions like that's so gay, taking sort of a core aspect of uh, a student's identity and, and one that they often really uh, struggle with through the process of identity development and using that as a way to express contempt or uh, using the word gay to, as, uh, as a synonym for bad or stupid really uh, undoubtedly creates a really powerfully negative atmosphere for LGBTQ students in their schools. Uh, the National Survey by EGAL found that 70.4% of Canadian LGBTQ students reported having heard homophobic expressions used at school daily. Uh, and in that research, there were uh, many anecdotal accounts of students who indicated that they could hear expressions like that's so gay or homophobic name-calling uh, as many as a dozen times or more in a one-hour class. Uh, a further 47.5% of these youth indicate that they heard remarks such as faggot, lesbo, dyke every day in school and very often directed at them personally. Um, large numbers of non-LGBTQ students have also experienced verbal harassment about their pre perceived sexuality and gender expression. And here, here we see that uh, these uh, kind of... Uh, homophobic, hateful, name-calling terms are really used quite indiscriminately to ridicule and put down others. Uh, and uh, they have the same powerful negative effects when they are directed at heterosexual, non-transgendered students as when they are directed against LGBTQ youth. Uh, turning to more severe forms of harassment and abuse of LGBTQ students, uh, the EGAL study found that 20.8% of these students indicated having been physically harassed or assaulted due to their sexual orientation or perceived sexual orientation. 
that's compared to 7.9% of non-LGBTQ students. Some other forms of harassment often directed toward uh, students perceived to be LGBTQ could include homophobic graffiti on lockers or personal possessions, uh, rumor spreading, uh, use of networking websites such as Facebook, uh, and also text messaging to, to either spread rumors or to uh, uh, directly name call or uh, verbally harass someone or textually harass someone. So uh, what do we know then about how uh, the impa- about the impacts that these hostile environments and direct acts of harassment can have on LGBTQ youth? Well, these forms of victimization have been quite clearly linked to a significant number of increased emotional and physical risk factors, which may include negative self-esteem, uh, drug and alcohol abuse, experiences of clinical depression and anxiety, uh, acts of self-harm, disruptive behavior in the school context, increased, often unsafe, sexual activity, and decreased academic performance. We know that LGBTQ youth account for a disproportionately high uh, percentage of homeless young people in North America. The range has been found to be between 11 and 40 percent. A recent study in Toronto found, I believe, it was uh, pegged at about 21 percent. So, Uh, a startlingly high percentage, particularly uh, this is a risk for youth who uh, also have a hostile or unaccepting home environment, of course. Uh, Very worryingly, LGBTQ youth have been found to have rates of suicidal ideation and attempt uh, that can be four to five times higher than their heterosexual non-transgender peers. Obviously a very significant uh, risk factor. So uh, turning from the identification of risk factors uh, that do affect LGBTQ youth, what uh, do we know about uh, what GSAs can do to help reduce these risks in schools? Uh, Recent research suggests that acts of homophobic discrimination are significantly less common at schools where GSAs have been established, uh, and the appreciation of difference is actively promoted. Where a school has established a GSA, LGBTQ students have described feelings of being safer at school, feeling less likely to be harassed for being different, uh, feeling more likely to believe that they have supportive adults in their lives, and being more trusting that teachers will treat them fairly and with respect. Academically, uh, oops, LGBTQ student involvement with a GSA has been associated with improved school attendance, heightened academic achievement, a sense of personal empowerment at school, and heightened uh, sense of hope for one's academic future. Uh, personally and socially, GSA participants have been reported to credit the groups with helping them to achieve better relationships with school administrators, with teachers, uh, family members, and peers. LGBTQ students in schools with GSAs are much more likely to report feeling safe and confident enough to be open with some or all of their peers about their sexual orientation or gender identity. And this is one of the crucial uh, developmental challenges faced by LGBTQ people uh, as part of their lifelong process of coming out and developing a positive sense of self. 
these students are also somewhat more likely to see their school climate as becoming less homophobic over time when a GSA has been established at their school. So 75% versus 65%. Uh, finally, one uh, very interesting recent uh, study, which was mentioned uh, w during our introduction, a uh, study by researchers at UBC, has found that anti-homophobia interventions such as GSAs can have powerful protective effects for all students against suicidal thoughts and suicide attempts. In schools with a gay-straight alliance uh, implemented for three years or more, what their study found was that the odds of experiencing homophobic discrimination or of having suicidal thoughts were reduced by more than half uh, among LGBTQ students compared to schools where there was no GSA established. There were also significantly lower odds of sexual orientation-related discrimination for heterosexual youth, as was mentioned. Uh, and in fact, heterosexual boys were half as likely to attempt suicide in these schools as in schools uh, without GSAs. So again, GSAs... Uh, appear to serve quite a strong protective function for all students from homophobic harassment and abuse in the school community. Okay, so uh, that concludes uh, my presentation uh, of information. Now, uh, time for discussion. We'll, we'll have lunch oh. first. Okay. Thank you, Dr. Say. So now we'll